Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach, a curious human, a scientist, an artist, and somebody who really wants to leave an impact on the world. I want to share my wisdom. But more than that, I want to help you bring out your brilliance. Because, and this is what I really want to remind you of this week, before we get into this week's episode, I need to tell you something. Throughout my life, I have heard so many people say, you're doing it wrong. You have to do it this way. There's only one way to do it. If you're going to do it right, do it this way. Or why would you do it that way? So many different variations on this. And you know what? Here's my confession. So many times when I hear that, it's somebody, it comes from somebody who really does mean well, someone who has experience or expertise in this area. And I wobble and I think, oh, well, it is true. I want what they've got, mostly. So maybe they do know how to get it. Maybe that is what I have to do. And so sometimes I try it a little bit and then you know what happens? Then I remember who I am. Then I remember who I am. I come back home to myself and I know the truth. And that truth is that no one out there knows what's best for me. In fact, no one knows me. No one knows how I can flow with ease through the universe other than me. Because no one has been through the experiences I've been through. No one sees the world exactly the same way I do. Yes, I surround myself with people who see the world in similar ways and, quite frankly, people who see the world differently because they like to learn from them. And yes, I surround myself with people who inspire me and teach me. And when it comes to taking the next step, when it comes to knowing what's best for me, when it comes to knowing what to do next, I'm the only one that knows. And my way may be completely different than the way it's always been done before. Because I am me. And there's never been another me here on this planet in this moment. And that all goes for you too. You are the only you. You are the only you in this moment. You are the only you who has had your exact experiences. Even if somebody else has gone through the same things, they haven't been the same because they didn't go through them in your body, with your mind, with your history, with your perspective on life. They haven't read everything you've ever read. They haven't met everyone you've ever met. They're just not you. So you guys, I want you to know something. There's more than one way to do everything. 
There's no white, right way or wrong way. There's nothing in this world that's black or white. You can do things your way. Feel free to color outside the lines. Feel free to carve your own path. The universe, my friends, wants you to be sparkly AF. You are here to be you. That is your job. Be you. Nobody can tell you how to do it. You are really, truly the only one. And when you come home to yourself, when you listen to your own intuition, when you listen to your heart, when you listen to your soul and you step into your soul, everything changes. Everything. So if you need that today, if you need that permission to do things your way, to be yourself, to shine, to sparkle, to move forward in whatever way feels good for you, or to not, to, to go in a zigzag, you know what? This is it. Go do it. Be you. Please shine and sparkle. Spread your love all over the world. We need you. We want you. We want you to shine. Now, today's episode is with my friend Walter, and I just want to note that I am recording this on April 1st, which was my childhood dog's birthday. Weird, I know. But I'm sharing this because his name was Walter. And he was, he was, you know, kind of my little furry, first furry soulmate. So it just feels very appropriate to be recording this right now, celebrating Walter, my first furry soulmate, and prepping you for this episode with Walter, not the dog. Just a really powerful coach. I love you guys. Please, if this resonates with you, please share it on social media. Please leave a review on iTunes. All the things, any way you can help would be amazing. You can tag me on Instagram. I'm at Kelsey Abbott CPC. Share it anywhere else on social media. Do your thing. Do whatever feels good to you. You can always email me too. You can find the contact form on my website at kelseyabbott.com. All right, go forth, be awesome, and be yourself. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My guest today is Walter Aguilar. He is a certified core performance coach and a transition and leadership specialist. This guy, he's very modest, but he is changing the world. And I am so excited to have this conversation and share it with you guys. So Walter and I met in core performance training four and a half years ago, which he just reminded me is four and a half years ago. Uh, Turns out we've been following each other the whole time, and uh, it's been quite the journey. Welcome, Walter. Thanks, Kelsey. I appreciate you having me on board. And uh, and, and it was about four and a half years ago. We were uh, we we're a group of twenty five that were the first to get taught this core performance perspective or uh, way of coaching performance. And uh, I remember your name coming up. And uh, I guess at the time you were really into triathlons and and iron woman and all the other stuff and so i always found that really fascinating so i uh we i think we connected up as friends and i've been watching some of your posts and all the different things that goes on and 
Um, and so I'm really excited to, uh, after all these years, to actually have uh, a sit down with you and, and talk a little bit about your journey and my journey. Yeah, me too. And I love how the universe brings us people and, and sometimes it's not time to like really dig in with that person yet. It's time to just like watch from afar and be like, oh, I like what he's doing. I like his style. And then the time comes. I did a Facebook Live last week and I was like, and you commented. You showed up during that live and I was like, Walter, why are we not having conversations? Why are we not recording them? So that's how we got here. That's true. I have, a, I have these little itchy fingers and uh, I always find that um, I really feel that everything that happens happens for a reason. So if I show up on somebody's live Facebook, I'm not there just to be a spectator. Mm -hmm. I kind of tap in and put in my little two bits and, uh, and, and that's how a lot of opportunities have come for me. And, uh, and, and as of this week, I'll be doing two other talks and that's exactly how those happen as well too. Just kind of really sharing and contributing to the conversation that was going on at the time. I love it. I mean, that's, that's why we're here, right? We're not here to watch conversations. Life is not a spectator sport. Never has, never will be right. And it's, um, I think that um, the reason why we we like to be spectators because we're, uh, we're we're kind of afraid. We're, we're afraid of our greatness, right? Well, what happens if we put ourselves into the game, and and what happens if we're great? <laughs> and so um, I think that that's one of the things that really caught me about your thing was the whole idea about finding your awesomeness, right? And mm-hmm. um, I have a really belief that we're all awesome already, right? We just haven't. Uh, we haven't discovered it, right? So I think that's, uh, I, think, I think finding it is a seeking. I find discovering is more of just getting our ego-created sense of who we think we are with all our habitual thinking out of the way and just allowing ourselves to step into um, the, the life that we've always envisioned, right? Exactly. I picture it as though, so we're all born with an awesome. It's, I picture it's right here in our chest. We are born with that. It's, it's what makes us unique. It's what makes us great. It's why we're here to serve the world. And then as we go through humaning, we go through life, we cover it with all this stuff, all these other people's beliefs, all these shoulds. So eventually when people are adults, they don't know what they believe. They think they believe all these things that people have told them they believe. I help them clean themselves up and get back to uh, Yeah, John, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz calls it the domestic, uh, domesticating process. We get, yeah. domestic, uh, we get taught fear. We get taught compliance. We get taught how to not rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get taught uh, a lot of things, but uh, there's actually two things we don't get taught very effectively. And, what, uh, what are those? Um, the one, we don't get taught how to effectively think out our lives, right? We, we get taught what to think, but not how to effectively think out our lives. And if we're fortunate enough to be able to go for higher education, we get learned how to, we learn how to analyze data and create a critical thinking mind, but we still don't get taught how to think out our lives. And then the other thing that I think that we don't get taught to is we don't get taught how to appropriately grieve those things in our lives that we consider as losses. Hence, the baggage that we all carry from relationship to relationship, from job to job, are really things that we haven't yet forgiven ourselves or others. Um, 
we things that we haven't uh, accepted about ourselves or others or just shit we haven't let go. Yes. Oh, yeah. So much of that. And that's why things come up randomly. Like something happens in our lives and all of a sudden we're transported back 10 years to we're still angry about some other event. Yeah. And that's why um, even uh, even couples who have uh, they meet their Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and we have the same value of honesty, and 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 all of a sudden something happens where there's a perception that somebody's not being honest, or there's right, and all of a sudden one person wants to talk about it, and the other one wants to. It's just uh, she just becomes a drama mama, right? It's just woo, right? And it's because where values originated from makes a difference, right? If it uh, if it originated from a conscious choice, which this is a choice of, of, of value that you wish to carry and the way that you want to show up in the world, that's one thing. But if it's because something in your past has caused you pain and um, you have those feelings of the pain, then what will happen is that whenever that value isn't going to be honored in the moment or isn't honored, that all that pain comes back, right? And it manifests in our bodies. And next thing you know, we're creating a lot of drama over something that really may not even have to do uh, or have as much to do with what's actually happening. Yes. And that piece you said about manifesting in our bodies is also key. You know, injuries, illness, pain. Oh, totally. And, and the reason why is that as Joe Dispenza, he's, he's an incredible uh, neural, neuroscientist, says is that thoughts are for the mind, right? Experiences are for the body. Mm-hmm. Right? So we carry a lot of our experiences physically, right? And, um, and that's why uh, I've been really focusing the last little while about the whole idea that people, um, people make decisions based on memory, which is found in our subconscious, right? And, and, as, and as Bob Proctor says too, he said that um, emotions are the language of the subconscious, right? And emotions are created by physical feelings, right? Because when you feel something, therefore, that's where you label it an emotion, right? right? So what happens is that most people are under the illusion that they're actually making conscious choices, but what's actually happening is they're making choices on how they feel in the moment and how they feel in the moment is based on memory, right? So they're not actually making choices based on what's actually happening, right? So that's the fascinating thing about it is that we, uh, we, we're going through life living out a program that's really, um, really entrained in our subconscious based our experiences in the past. And, and the thing is that anything in your subconscious was put there by an extreme of emotion, either an unhappy or painful one or a happy one, any kind of extreme stream of emotion. And the cool part about it is that it comes out the same way it goes in. Okay. And if you have pain, that's why people will go to therapists, get contacts, uh, do little rituals, right? And these rituals have that same intensity of emotion of pain has the same intention in release. Mm-hmm. And that's where I said that we really don't, and that's why grieving is such a unique and individual thing because we, we know that there's phases to grieving, but we don't know what's going to work for us. Yeah. Right? 
And because we don't know how to let it go because nobody ever taught us, right? <laughs> right? It's uh, a lot of these things are just, we're, we're not, we're not really equipped for the journey. So we, we kind of have to go through trial and error. Right? And that's why a lot of people go and they have these recurring dramas, um, whether it's in sports, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in jobs, it seems like they, they have these patterns that start showing up. And the common denominator is always us. <laughs> Yes. So, so really, is, is it really the external thing, or is it, is, or is it something that's going on for us? And and I've come to the conviction that everything that happens in our life, we attract it. Everything, like there's nothing we don't have in our lives that we haven't in some way attracted, right? So, how do we change what we're attracting? Well, I think a lot of times, um, a lot of times, we, we now. When we start going into that, when attracting, a lot of people may not be aware of this, but we, we do emit energy. If you ever look at a person who's passed on, and we go to if you've ever been to a wake, the person that's in that coffin has got nothing, looks nothing like the person that we knew because their life force, their life energy is gone. So we emit two types of energies. We emit catabolic, which is a constricting energy, as quite often associated with negative emotions and, and thoughts and all that kind of stuff. It's a constricting um, it's a, a heavy, dense energy, or it's anabolic, which is a growth energy. It's an expanding energy. It's it's associated with uh, love and peace and joy and all the really light things, right? And so we don't attract. When, when all this thing about the law of attraction came in, everybody thought, all I need to do is make a vision board, and they all attract everything I want. And I just keep thinking about what I want. And, and, and what they're actually finding is that a lot of people are getting discouraged by that because they're not attracting what they thought they wanted, right? Because number one, a lot of those wants are more ego-driven than they really are from their authentic self. And it quite often comes from lack or not feeling good enough, right? Because this whole idea that there's something out there that's going to bring us joy or someone that's going to complete us, um, is a lie. Right? It's, it's a lie, and we bought into the lie. But there's a lot of stories we tell ourselves that aren't even true, um, even to the point that I believe that a lot of people take their own lives based on stories they tell themselves that are not even true. But that goes to the power of our attention, how, how much attention we pay to our own thoughts, and how much we believe ourselves. So really, when you think about it, so it goes back to the question, right? So how do we shift that? Well, I think, first of all, I think we, we need to really understand um, that we don't attract what we want in life. We attract who we're being. It comes down to who we're being, right? And if we're being a person that is continuously complaining, um, really talking about all the things, why they how that person didn't help them get there or this and that, um, then the way energy works, whatever we resist persists and whatever we focus on, we give energy to and that expands and that shows up in our reality. So if you want to really have a different life, right, you really have to do the inner work. Yeah, that's, so that's why it's called the work, right? Because... A lot of it is all the stuff that uh, we carry around. and Because even, even if you really consider, a lot of people walk around as this big, heavy burden. But if you really talk to somebody who's heavy burden, ask them to look to the left and to the right, 
and they discover that there's nothing physical that they're carrying around. That they're all thoughts. That's all they are, just thoughts. So, I think the first start, first start is really um, the first step is self awareness, taking some inventory um, as to where you really are in life, um, what stories you're telling yourself, and what's real and what's not real. You got to have a starting point. Why not there? Yeah. And- and that, that starting point sounds so simple, and it is if you've been doing the work for a while. But if you're new to this, those can be really tricky. If you're new to this, it's possible you don't even realize that there's a voice in your head. It's chattering all the time. They, uh, they actually say that, I think somewhere, some, one of the universities down in California did some kind of a study. I'm not quite exactly how they conducted it, but they said that the average human being has 70,000 thoughts per day, some more than others, right? But And that 80% of those thoughts are the same thoughts we had yesterday. Mm, yeah. So what actually happens, we get into these loops. It's kind of like the old 45s for all of us that are a little bit older, right? They used to skip and the same thing over and over again. I, I used to be into Dr. Huck, right? So when I was a young, that was my first album, right? Sylvia's mother, Sylvia's mother. <laughs> and at that time, got it. And the only thing you want to do is just shut that thing off. <laughs> but for a lot of people, it's no wonder why insomnia is rampant. Anxiety has become an epidemic. It's because people are looping in their thought world. Yeah. And they don't even know really what's happening. Because the, 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 the reality is, is that our minds are not who we are. They're just our tools. Yeah. And we basically got a tool, but it's like getting a new piece of electronic software and the instructions are in a language you don't understand. And then wondering why it isn't functioning properly. <laughs> and that's really how a lot of us have grown up. We didn't get the instructions. Um, some people are fortunate enough to be around loving, caring, and evolved parents, but the majority of us grew up with parents who use shame as parenting techniques and, and lack and physical punishment and just a lot of really things that really led to compliance, not to buy in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, two things just came up for me. I just want to explain that idea of lack that people might be listening and be like, oh, I don't live in lack. All right, now listen to yourself. Do you ever say something's too expensive? Do you ever say, I don't have time for that? These things just come out of our mouths sometimes. Even by the most highly conscious people, they just slip out if we're not paying attention. I I grew up with a single mom. And um, for her, I think the, the most painful thing with having three boys, three teenage boys, was having an empty fridge. Mm. Even now, when she lives on her own and just take cares of my, takes care of my brother's boy, her fridge has to be full. Because if not, she experiences the negative emotions of feeling lack. Yeah. Um, and lack is really, and, and the reason why we, we, we also feel lack is that uh, we've been programmed to have that, have those feelings because if there wasn't lack, marketing would be ineffective. Exactly. And as coaches, there are people out there that tell us to target the, the lack, to go for the pain points. 
And and you know what? And 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 that's uh, I I think that there's a lot of different ways to um to to kind of live our journey in this life, but um, there's a lot of different, just like there's so many different coaches, coaches coach differently. And I personally believe that, um, my coaching style and any wisdom that I get is really mine. Um, because in Ecclesiastics, cause I, I do, um, I, am a believer in a God and I have read my Bible and know that and there's nothing new under the sun. Like right. there's nothing that we can do that hasn't been said before and, even mindfulness is not a religion. It's a state of being. It's, we don't, so, so really, I really believe that I'm basically just, uh, I play the music. I'm a honky tonk guitar, but the music isn't mine. And how people experience the music is not my responsibility. And I may be a honky tonk guitar. You may be a nice violin and people like the violin music, right? Both of us, are incredible instruments, but the wisdom isn't in the end. It isn't us. It's like, um, and in the end, what people do with the music and how they choose to dance to the music, right? It really that's their responsibility. Yes. Are they enjoying their dance? Do they want to do something differently? That's totally up to them. But that's how I did it. So, so that's why I think it's it's we, we talk about it, and I appreciate you calling me humble, but there's anything other than that would be ego driven right um when i first started um i thought i wanted to be a coach to nhl players and uh, i would post everybody up and i'd let everybody know what i was doing i was all this and i was going to the nhl and um i had a little special needs boy that was getting um sicker and sicker and i realized that um that was all just an ego driven thing right i like so what so what if I went to the NHL? If I went to the NHL, you go there for a season, all of a sudden the, the outcomes don't start happening. They start looking for places to blame, right? Why not the mental performance coach, right? It's like, okay, boom, you go there, you're done. And and I did end up going down to Denver and working with the Colorado Avalanche top prospects. That was a great experience. But you know what? It wasn't the end all. It was great. I don't get any more satisfaction. That. Like when I'm in the hot tub with my little boy and he's just smiling at me because his whole body's relaxed. I don't give a rat's ass about an NHL team. Like I have meaning right there. Right. And you know what? And, and, and when, when I could do that, I find that I don't feel, um, I don't have the need to really be um, wealthy. Although, more resources are always helpful because I can go more places and I get to drive my little red sports car and stuff. But really, I mean, it's not really the end all. I mean, it's, it's important. And I think that's where abundance is being able to have abundance. And and if I want to buy something, I don't want to have to feel like all of a sudden, where's the money going to come from? I just trust that it will come. Right. Because if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in my life and I'm following my purpose, and if I feel like I'm on purpose, then, you know, the people come that will, value what I do and I will I will be able to charge what I want and there will be a value exchange and that's really that's uh, I find that being able to do that is meaningful and in the meantime I get to also experience however long my boy has to live I get to be here I don't have to be out somewhere and if I was somewhere even when I went to Denver for that one week he got very ill I came back and he was very ill and I was away for a week and 
no, actually, I kind of took a little shine off what I did. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, it's. Uh, I think we all we all need to decide what's important to us, right? And, you know, it's a lot of the ego driven stuff. It's really out of lack, right? Because somehow, if we, if if we had this team we're working with and we had that credential, then we'll be something. And you know what? We already are something, right? Yes, we already are enough. Yeah, it's like it's like. Uh, my my boy doesn't care about what I do. He just cares when I go there and I whisper in his ear that Papa loves him. That's all he cares about. Mm. And I feel that that's why he's still been alive. When he was 14 months old, he had no life expectancy. He's now 19 years old. Right? People don't know how. I know how. He he loves his life. He has a quality of life where it's more meaningful and more He's more present than a lot of people are that are totally healthy. So he's a teacher, right? It, yes. And you just like snuck that in there. He's still alive because he loves his life. That is an incredible testament to the, the amazing things that come from simply loving your life. It's just, I think it just comes from simply being. Mm. Um, and also I think that um, this whole thing is that if I attract everything in my life and you attract everything in your life, then he attracted himself loving parents. Yep. He's not biologically ours, but he attracted us. Mm -hmm. He attracted him. So is there another reality where he might have ended up in a long-term care and not even be here? Yeah. But that wasn't the reality that, that, that we're experiencing now. We There was... Both sides chose. He chose to still be with us up to this point. And I know that at some point when he's taught enough people, he'll, he'll transition on, he'll move on. And so will I. But for right now, we still have that connection, right? And, um, and I, I think there's, there's meaning in that because really, uh, for some people, they feel sympathy for our situation. Right? But I, I don't really want people to feel sorry for me because if this was most people's kids they would do whatever to be there for them right just because we didn't have him physically like he, he, it doesn't mean that he's not ours because when he looks in my eyes he sees papa when i see him i see my son period right so and if anything i i actually think that um love isn't just a nice warm fuzzy feeling love is a choice we have to choose to love, right? And just like life, even though we're all given life, we have to choose to love our lives in spite of all the circumstances, in spite of all the lack, in spite of our imperfections that we see, right? Mm. We And because if we don't, we can't love ourselves, how the heck are we going to love anybody else? Yeah. We have to choose to love ourselves, right? And that's why the whole equation that uh, a lot of people that are in caregiving roles, and whether it's a mom, whether it's a uh, uh, you have a dysfunctional husband or wife or whatever, right? Or whatever their situation, if you're in that caregiving role, you have a tendency to equate self-care as selfishness, and that's not true. Self-care is self-love. Yes. Right? That's what the equation should be, that... Um, that no is okay to say because I need to take care of me. Mm -hmm. Because when I take care of me, I'm in a sense taking care of you. Right, and that's yes. what that's where I think the not feeling good enough comes from. Right, and 
And I think that a lot of it, if you listen to a lot of Brené Brown's work, which I have, right, it's profound, right? It's profound that we we go through life, uh, a lot of us think it's, uh, we don't even know what the difference between guilt and shame is. And guilt is I did some bad, shame is I am bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of our parents use shame as a parenting tool. And what we do with shame is we bury it. And it comes with a strong catabolic charge to it. And I always equate having all these shame issues in our subconscious, kind of like trying to watch a really funny comedy or romantic comedy or what have you, with the soundtrack of Friday the 13th of Freddy Cougar. Right? It's down there. And the more crap you have in your subconscious, the louder that gets. Mm. Right? You don't, and that's why a lot of people, even when they have great things happen to them, they don't know how to enjoy it. They don't know how to take compliments. They don't know how to accept recognition at work. They don't know how to handle when somebody tells them they love them. Because how could this person love me if I can't even love myself? And they self-sabotage relationships, right? It's because that soundtrack is there, right? That like, oh, if they really knew the real me, they wouldn't love me, right? Well, you know what? If you really, if we, if you really knew your real you, you would ask yourself, why don't I love myself? That that's a that's a question to ask. If we really knew ourselves, because we were created in the image of our creator, right? And if you believe that there's a God that's amazing and and that is love, right? Why wouldn't he create us as amazing and as he is, right? So I think that a lot of times we confuse our ego-created sense of who we are with ourselves and all the habitual way of thinking with all its limits, that that's us. But it's not, right? That's why with a lot of athletes, they, they get kind of blown away. I said, you know, first thing I want to get clear here, you're not broken. I'm not here to fix you. Oh. What do you mean? I'll say it again. You're not broken. I don't need to fix you. We just need to learn how to get this ego-created sense of who you think you are out of the way so that you can be more present, access your skills and your talents, connect to creativity and intuition, have more of these zone moments where you can play up to your potential and even increase your potential, which is possible. I've seen it. And that's really all it's about, right? And, and so I think that a lot of us just really... Um, needs more clarity in our lives. I think we lack clarity because I always tell people clarity is power. Clarity is power, right? But then we get too wigged out being confused. Oh, I can't. I'm so confused. Well, that's part of the process. If we were never confused, we would never seek clarity. Mm, exactly. That that confusion is the flag that pokes up. That's like, look at this. Look yeah. over here. We got to move this out of the way. And even emotions, emotions, we label them as good or bad emotions. And really, they're just lower or elevated emotions. Mm -hmm. Lower by being lower in the catabolic, denser emotions, or elevated, a little bit lighter, more joyful, and what have you, right? So emotions are really, um, they get a bad rap. (laughs) They They get a bad rap, right? Oh, he's just so emotional. Oh, he's just so emotional. Oh, they're so emotional. Well, we're emotional beings, right? We, we, we have these things called physical bodies. 
And we have these thoughts and these beliefs that create energy that um, affects our physical bodies, right? Because when we're having negative thinking, this catabolic energy constricts. Uh, we start releasing cortisol, uh, adrenaline. We have tension. We have headaches. These are all physical sensations, right? So, of course, we're emotional, right? Like, And, and people say, well, you know... Uh, uh, certain cultures aren't emotional. Well, they're emotional. They just haven't. They just haven't given themselves the right to feel it. Yeah, there's a difference between being emotional and expressing emotion. Yeah. And feeling emotion and experiencing emotion. And I think that there's 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 things like um, emotions. It, it's really about the appropriate and inappropriate expression of emotions. And I think road rage is really good way of really an inappropriate express of a uh, anger emotion, right? Yeah. But yet, um, you see, uh, I don't know if you've seen on Facebook, there was a 16-year-old girl at the, I think it was the UN or somewhere, where she was talking about, she's basically calling out the older generation for what they're doing for the younger generation. And saying that you didn't, you you haven't, you haven't even had the, uh, I forget the maturity to to really come and call it as it is or ta tell the truth. You're leaving that up to us. Hmm. So that was an appropriately that was an appropriate expression of an anger. Yes. She's angry at these future generations that are talking about the future and trying to tell the kids, oh yeah, think about the future, but they're wrecking the very future that these young people are going to grow into. So she stood up there and she called them all out. Mm -hmm. Right. You guys ain't even telling the truth about what's actually happening. Yeah. Right? And so I think this, it's as appropriate. I think it's appropriate and inappropriate. It's, it's no, no different than personal boundaries, personal boundaries as Brené says, right. It's nothing more than what's appropriate or not appropriate. If somebody comes to you, even though they may tell you the truth, and if it's in a, if it's in a way that isn't respectful, isn't isn't uh, kind, isn't loving, then you have a right to say, you know what, that's not appropriate. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, you do, and you have a right to um, choose what you do with what you create. And and that's why the whole idea of wisdom, which is what you liked, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was sitting, I was sitting, I think two last week or two weeks ago, and there was a pastor talking about wisdom, right? The, the uh, it's doing the right thing at the right time in the right way for the right reasons. Yeah. Right? So how many of us can actually tell how many of us are actually living wise lives? Like there's more knowledge out there with Google, the internet libraries. I mean, self-help is a multi-billion dollar business. We have more knowledge than we ever have at any time in history on any topic. But are we becoming wiser because of it? Right? Yeah. Are the, I mean, are people, when people actually tell us about ourselves, is that helping us learn, like actually understand ourselves more? Um, I, th I think that a lot of it is this, is that um, when we talk about the energy leadership that me and you have been 
um, trained in that there's seven levels of energy, seven levels of consciousness, seven levels of awareness, seven levels of engagement and levels of confidence. So what we're saying is that um, if we can increase our, our awareness, which drops our labels and our judgments about things, right? We will be more engaged, right? We will be more, uh, more likely to act in a way that is wise. Mm. Right? Because we, are, we will be able to tap in a lot more into who we really are. Because we, uh, when you think about, um, and that also comes down to the whole idea of self-transcendence, which is uh, something that um, it's for a lot of people, right? We, uh, I think, I think a lot of us, we, we're, we're still dealing with. Uh, when you talked about those people at the lower energies, we're still trying to support people to get out of the survival mode, this self-protection, this overattachment to outcomes, and all that, right? So then we get people up to a little bit higher where it comes to self-mastery, right? Managing the storyteller, right? Uh, learning how to cope with the way life has gone and the fact that maybe this is happening in your life to teach you something and this and all, right? But then when we get to self-transcendence, that's where um, the flow happens. That's where the zone happens. And, and, and um, we quite often really think that somehow that's exclusive to athletes but it's not it's it's uh, because it's 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 basically a point where a, a, any athlete and that's why quite often when i deal with hockey players i tell them don't just go play the game go be the game yes go be the game right like don't go and don't go and don't go and run a triathlon be the triathlon I mean, we were talking before we started recording about coaching and how neither of us know what we say during a coaching session. That's because that's my definition of flow. It's, it's funny. Eckhart Tolle said something that's profound. He said, you know, if you're hundred percent in the moment and you're not in the past or the future and there's, and which is what an ego requires to exist mm -hmm. and the ego can never exist in the present moment. Cause that's where we are. We don't need to go to Europe to find ourselves. All we need to do is just stop talking yeah. and we're there. And he said that whenever, and, and really when you think about being at a high level of consciousness, there's no need for labels or judgments. And remember we said that the subconscious, the, the emotions of the language is subconscious. When you're totally in objectivity and there is no fear and there is nothing to defend or protect, right? Then the moment just is as it is. There's a certain perfection around it. So there's even no need for a memory, right? Uh, I actually, uh, they, they actually uh, talked about an instance where he was doing a talk and somebody stood up, they were taking down notes and could you repeat what you just said? And he said, no, I can't. They go, why? Because I, I said it. Okay. Because he, and quite often he'll start stuff like everything that's been said has already been said. No different Ecclesiastics. There's nothing new under the sun, right? And really, when you think about a lot of the personal growth stuff, right? Quite often, it's people saying the same thing in a different way or with different language, but it's all the same thing. Which is the same thing that, um, well, it's the same thing that we do as the, uh, that athletic coaches do. When I used to coach swimming, I remember I would 
teach someone one way, another coach would teach the another way. We're trying to get the same result, but it's just people hear it differently. You got to hear from a million different sources. Yeah, and 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 you know what? And I and I think that um, it 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 sometimes it's not even the different sources. Sometimes it's the right timing, right? Yes, always. I, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I know now. Uh, I wouldn't have the openness in my 20s or my 30s or even my early 40s, right? Now I could I could hear things more and, because before a lot of things were ego-driven, mm-hmm. right? About, it was about uh, creating a sense of worthiness for myself that I, that I thought I was lacking, right? right? And, and that's the whole thing, right? It's, it's when we get past that point of having to have something to complete us or someone or something, right? Because we, we've been taught a lot of about achievement and accumulation. That's the story that we've been given, right? Go get your little piece of the pie, right? Go and find that mate to nest and buy a house and have some kids and 2.5 cars and then you'll be happy. Right? My mentor taught me that the biggest loss that people have is the loss of a dream. And how many people are divorced and bitter? But it doesn't have to be that way because some people get divorced and get better. Right? They, it's, it's, it's all about the storyteller, right? What, what, what stories are we telling ourselves, right? Yep. So I think coaches, um, I think coaches, and the thing that I find about coaches is I have had to make the shift where um, I've had to understand that I come from a long, uh, I come with my need to rescue, honestly, from being with a single mom. And that, um, and it wasn't always that because I had a father in my life from seven till 15. And he was my stepfather. But you no, know, I really, I learned compliance from him. And I learned about rescuing from my mom. Right? And so as a coach, I initially, I wanted to coach everybody, whether they were my clients, whether they asked for it or not. I had to go and solve everybody's problems. And then I stepped out of that, and then I went to helping people. And then I started to get more effective. But then I also realized that helping people was still about me. And then now I've actually realized that my role is to support people. So that's not about me. I love that evolution. Yeah. And that's where I think that um, that's where people resonate with what I do, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I have limited college education, so I do have like first-year English, all that kind of stuff, on psychology and all that stuff, and I realized that that wasn't for me. Um, so I don't necessarily have big words, and I say the word like too much after my thing. There's a lot of thing that um, people may not like about my style. Um, I repeat things often, which I believe is the mother of all learning anyways, and sometimes I probably forget, right? But what I tell people is that our competitive advantage as coaches is us. We are the competitive advantage, right? Because there's only one of Cal- there's only one of you, there's only one of me. 
And once we pass on from this life, there will never be another one of us. Even if we had physical kids, they will not be us. They will be their own person, their own sovereign entity, right? Mm-hmm. And that is our competitive advantage, right? And I'm 53 now. I don't know how many years left I got on this earth, but I'm not going to serve everybody. So I don't see myself in competition with anybody else. I see myself as a contributor to this process of people evolving and having uh, more meaningful relationships with themselves, with their families, with their sports, with their God. It's it's all about really um, learning how to define a a meaningful life for yourself and then go live it. You are such a bright light. Yeah, I talk to my wife sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it dims. It's not always that way, and it hasn't always been that way. And it, and it, um, I think quite often it's. I also uh, reflect the uh, person I'm with. So I think that if I'm a bright light, then that makes you a bright light. Why? Thank you. We're both bright lights. Before we wrap this conversation up, which we will have to do eventually, um, how did you decide to get into coaching? Um, I, I think what I had to do is I had to go through the searching point because, um, I, one thing that I would say is that, um, people don't realize that if you have a special needs child in a marriage, your percentage of divorce is very high. Like I've heard anywhere from 80 to 85, 75, 80, 85. I don't know, but it's really high. Um, so I had to go through a period where I walked away and I discovered that, um, a real, in a real hard way that my joy wasn't over there. Mm. And I, I hit a thing called the black night of the soul. I, I discovered, I felt forsaken by God. I felt like I had no future. 47 years, people in their 30s feel like they haven't got it together. Imagine what it's like 47, nothing but financial strife and worries and right and and all this stuff. And I basically went and tried to, in those three months that I was apart, tried to go and, and experience something that I thought would make me happy. And I realized that it's not out there. And then, so then I started thinking about what it is that I wanted to do. So I went back into sales. and But I started thinking about coaching because my wife came back one day and said, hey, you know what? Uh, she was on a board of director of a, of a group, and they brought in a coach. And she said, you know, in the future, they're going to need coaches. So I thought, okay, no big deal. And so I started, I did my, let my fingers do the walk, and up came IPEC. And being in sports, I always understood, and I always believed in energy, right? Even though I was a Christian, I didn't get caught up in the whole new age stuff. But I just really believed it because I played sports and I realized I understood the energy shifts. I understood when we had momentum. I understood when we took out momentum. I understood that when I was in the flow, I knew all that. I felt that, right? Experiences for the body, thoughts are for the mind. So I had experienced energy. So therefore, um, that resonated with me. And... um, then what happened was that IPEC, I think the first time ever, did an information session in Vancouver. And I had this friend of mine who uh, I worked with. She was like the mom, right? 
I used to always talk about how I was going to be this coach. And she finally uh, said, you know, you need to go through this information session because if you don't, I never want you to talk about coaching again. And so I went out there and I met a few of the coaches and I was the only person that showed up. And I told them, you know, I don't have the money for it. But I said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I kind of, shot. at the time, I had also went right into the Eckhart Tolle and Don Miguel Ruiz for agreements. So I was already spitting out a little bit of hustle when it comes down to the whole thing and, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff, right? So I mean, they, they just said to us, well, why don't you call IPEC on Tuesday and see what they can do? Because there are some student loans and what have you. And then when I went, when I called them up, um, they said to me, oh, yeah, great. They said, uh, unfortunately, because you're Canadian, we, uh, uh, our credit unions only give student loans to, um, to, to Americans, but talk to Luke, see what you could do. So I called Luke and told him my story. And, and at the time I thought I wanted to be a coach to support a lot of special needs families, not knowing that they didn't have resources and that a lot of them were so much in their level one level two energy that then they're not always necessarily ready, willing, and able to get the help at the time, but I didn't know any better. I just, that's what I thought. And he just said, you know, why don't you write me a 400 word essay of why you want to become a coach? And so I did. And I just talked about my little boy and how he inspired me and did that. And next thing is he said, you know, after reading your report, um, we've never done this before. And it goes back to a point that when you have a vision for yourself, when you know what you desire, the universe conspires with you. And um, I was able to, I was able to um, work some now with IPEC. And next thing I know is I'm taking the program. And while I'm going through the program, I got really friendly with Peter Curtis and the finance department and everybody there and told me about sport performance uh, performance and at the time I didn't have money for it and um, all of a sudden out of the blue on Facebook an old friend from high school shows up he said how's your car running and I made a joke of it because I did I had a Ford Taurus and it had no heat I said yeah. you know it's uh, it's middle of winter I said uh, I go, it's running okay I just have to go really fast because my, my heat's not working on it goes, well you want a car what do you mean Goes, and he was fair to do, and he he, was, he he basically just said, you know, I've I have my my Lexus, my wife's got her car, we have our RV, and I have an extra car here. And if you want it, it's yours. And I could really remember um, that emotion to this day. It actually, I was crying. I actually started crying, and he didn't understand, right? Because I've always been known as this uh, tough guy, right? And at the time, I had just gone through the nightmare of soul, feeling like I wasn't really loved by God, or that and all of a sudden I was able to put my my other car my Ford Taurus up for sale and it was just enough to pay for the core performance and it just everything just fell into place and um, I haven't this is the first time I publicly told a story because um, I feel that in a lot of ways I haven't told my stories because I'm still going through it and and I think that um, it just, I just want to remind people that 
if at 47 years old I can transform my own life, what can you do at 30, mm -hmm. 5, or 40? Or even if you're in midlife, like you could transform yourself. And do you need money? Yeah. Do you have to know where it's going to come from? No. You just have to have the desire strong enough, right? And uh, and then from there, my very first client I met, I met at the gym, sitting on the life cycle, talking, being excited about what I was doing. And um, I just met this hockey player, this small little guy, and just said, you know, do you play any sports? He goes, hockey. I go, beer league? He goes, no, I'm, I'm a professional athlete. I go, well, you know, are you interested in hearing about this? And so, yeah, he goes, yeah, sure. Let's sit down for coffee. And before I left, I go, by the way, what's your name? I didn't even know his name. Oh, Jeff, Jeff Tambellini at the time. He was, I think, a, a year or two removed from them going to the Stanley Cup Finals. And there was just something about my authenticity that resonated with him. And it was my uh, my – it was also my longest ELI debrief. We talked for six hours. Oh my goodness. <laughs> in his multi-million dollar house. It was amazing. Wow. But what was amazing about it was that he was just he was just open and um, it was an amazing experience. He uh, he trusted me, I trusted him, and we just uh, we went on to do some amazing work and and um, and he was able to help me really prove the concept. And I believe because of my experience with them, I encourage a lot of other core performance coaches because here's with somebody that was given the program credibility. And we, we, we were able to actually see how it actually worked. And in the end, he ended up winning the Swedish league championships. And yeah, I guess it must work. And I, I and at the time, the stuff that I know now is just mind blowing that I didn't know then. Then it was just just based a belief, a belief that everything was happening was happening for a reason. And I think that's also part of why my ego really got the best of me, right? I thought, oh, okay, if it's one NHL guy, I could do them all. But then I had to learn my lesson. Right? I had to learn that it's not about that. It's not about my ego. It's not about me being um, anything than just myself. And when I could learn to just be myself, then that's that's when um, the joy and the peace really started coming in, right? And, and realizing that uh, joy, happiness, and peace, it's an inside job. It's got nothing to do with who my clients are or how much they pay or where I get to travel or where I don't get to travel. It's, it's none of that stuff's really it. Although it took me a long while to actually figure that out, right? But I think I figured it out just keeping open, keeping myself open and, and realizing that um, being frustrated, being discouraged, being disappointed, being mad, dropping F-bombs, um, being sad, feeling trapped, that's all part of the process. Yeah. That's all part of the process, right? It's like it's uh, – um, I, I think that we, we, we have this thing where we think that if only my parents were wealthy and I could do this and get that education of this, none of those things really matter because if you have a desire to really live in your own own authenticity, right? Your energy will be so high that you will attract the right people 
at the right time in the right way for the right reasons. And then there's nothing that can stop you. Mm-hmm. Right? There's, there's nothing that can stop you. Right. It's, and that's a whole thing. That's why the whole thing, you don't go finding your awesomeness, right? You just discover it. You discover it. It's been here all the time. Right? And, and that's where I think that that's the message. That's the message, right? That, uh, um, it's interesting. Um, uh, right now, um, there's different. There's a goalie that's doing really well in the NHL, and he uh, he's a rookie. And I did some work with the whole team and and uh, and his junior team. And all of a sudden, he um, he got pulled up. And I sent him an email and just said, you know, I just want you to remember that every day you wake up, you have everything you need to be successful at this level. And I think that that's sometimes we just need that. We just need um, somebody in our lives to tell us that. Because if we tell ourselves we don't believe it, if somebody else tells us, it's like, whoa, it must be the truth if they're telling us, right? Yeah. But really, if, if we can learn to tell ourselves that and believe ourselves, because we believe all our lies anyways, why don't we believe our truth? Mm-hmm. Right? Right? It's... We are awesome, and you know what? I do deserve to have a great relationship. I do deserve to have a, a great life, not because I need it, right? But maybe just because I deserve it. Yes. And and there's nothing more profound than that, right? We, we do deserve it, right? And because we were created in the image of our creator, right? And we are... Um, we have the capability to, because it's not the whole thing. It's everybody always thinks that we need to somehow um, experience the dark night of the soul, as I call it. Right? We, we don't need to. We don't need to drop down and have the worst things in our lives happen so we can rise up. I mean, yeah, that's one way of doing it. But we can just really take today and start really being grateful for what we already have and start being ecstatic about what we have right now. We don't have to go down to, we don't have to hit bottom. Although bottom is a real motivator to want to call, call up. We can still be happy now and be joyful. And we could even be complacent with our lives and start from there. Right. Right. We can, we can, we can actually have things, things happening in our lives now and go from there. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you start. Right. It's like, it's, it's like, that's a myth, right? It's like, uh, even, even if our lives, um, aren't like somebody else's, we didn't have as much adversity. It doesn't matter. Right? Maybe we've had more happiness. Great. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's build on that. Right. Yes. Like you don't have to go and destroy your life to build it again. Although, like I said, it's some, for some people that's their journey, we're all on a journey and everybody's journey is a little different. Right. Big thing is just learn how to just let go of stuff, right? Learn to learn to live in inspiration. Inspiration is really a powerful place because inspiration is not about the past or the future. It's about the present moment. It's about um, being able to really value your intuition as much as your reasoning. Right? Yeah, that could be a whole nother episode. Yeah, but it's, uh, and, and, and it usually is, right? But yeah, it's, and I think that a lot of it is this, and that um, I think that um, we don't ever succeed in isolation. We do succeed in collaboration, right? So we need our success posse. We need our 
We need those people in our lives that are going to remind us that, yeah, you're awesome. Oh, yeah, okay, I forgot. Okay, thanks for reminding me. Right? It's, we need people like that in our lives. We need people that are able to hold space for us, that are able to uh, provide the empathy and the compassion needed to, to burn off all that shame that's so prevalent in our subconscious, right? We need a success policy, right? And and if that's a coach, great. And if you have the means to it, get yourself a coach. And if you there's deeper stuff and you feel you need a therapist, go get a therapist, right? And if you haven't got any of those, then go find yourself a friend. Yeah. Oh, but I don't have friends. Well, go be a friend. Yes. <laughs> right? The best way to create an awesome friend is go role model what an awesome friend is, right? Go be an awesome friend for somebody. Go hold space for somebody. Don't go tell them what to do. Don't go one up their story. Don't go and be disappointed with the decisions they make or don't make, right? Really go out and give somebody some unconditional space and see if you can, you can attract that person to you, right? Yes. And Walter, we, let's, let's end on that message. I have loved this conversation. This is exactly what I needed today. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I just, uh, like I said, I, I love talking about um, the amazing things that are out there. Um, I love talking about my own journey. And, uh, and, I, and I think that everybody's journey is as valid to them, right? It's like nobody's journey is more important or less important or less meaningful, right? It's, we, just, we just need to really realize that uh, we are unique. Um, and if we're going to look at life as a big gamble, right? Because a lot of us are afraid, right? Let's bet, let's bet on ourselves. Right? We are the competitive advantage, right? Go, why not bet on ourselves, right? So, Always. Best investment you can make is in yourself. How can people connect with you? Well, they can go to my website, which is uh, naturalactioncoach at shaw.ca. That's probably the best way. Okay. Uh, that's that's email actually, and my website is naturalactioncoach.com or powerverseforce.com. So powervsforce.com. So either one of those, that's, that's fine. And if anybody wants to talk, yeah, you can talk. I always, I'm always open. I'm always open to talking to people about their life journey. I always uh, willing to pay forward half an hour, an hour of my time with people because we're on this journey together and my journey isn't more important than yours. If we do end up working together, great. If we don't, that's fine because we all, there's, there's people that we're supposed to work with and people that we're just supposed to support and support is both. And, and when you think about it, coaching is nothing more than a value exchange anyways. Right? So go find your instrument that resonates with you, right? Is it a is it a guitar? Is it a violin? Is it a tuba? There's so many different cultures out there. So many different ways of doing it, right? Invest in yourself, right? It's you're, you're worth it, right? You deserve it. Right? You deserve to have some joy in your life, right? It's like life's too short, right? We're not we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So if you can get yourself a good, effective coach, then it's a worthwhile investment. Yes, 100%. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, 
please head over to Facebook and join the group, Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.